This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. All right, folks, Mark chapter 1, if you have a Bible, love for you to turn to it. If you don't have a Bible, we've got some in the back. Uh, We always have some on hand. We would love for you to grab one, uh, take it home with you. It is yours. Um, We might have some nice leather ones in the lost and found. If you're interested, uh, there might be someone's first name inside. Don't worry about that. Um, Obviously, if they haven't come looking for it, they don't care. No, that's that's a a judgment. That's not true. I don't know that. I don't know that at all. Uh, Mark chapter 1, those are where we're going to be. The verses will be on the screen. uh, So if you want to follow along that way as as well. I want to read a quote to you. Um, that comes from Tim Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage. Yes, I quote Tim Keller a lot. Uh, He has a lot of good things to say. So there you go. He says this, To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense, humbles us out of our self-righteousness, and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. I believe that we all desire that. We were created that way. With the desire to be fully known, fully seen, and yet still loved and accepted. It's the safest place we can be. It's where we're truly free. We ended last week in Mark chapter 1 with Jesus um, correcting Peter's thinking. Peter wanted to stay in Capernaum. There was a good thing going. Momentum was happening. The, The church was growing. Everybody was coming to Jesus. And Peter was like, Jesus, dude, this is a good thing. And Jesus was like, hey, man, I got you. But there's something greater. There's something bigger and better that God has for us. We can't settle for good. Remember that quote from Jim Collins? Good is the enemy to great. The devil's constantly wanting us to settle for something that's good when God's calling us to something greater. And the purpose that Jesus said is that he was to go and to proclaim the good news of God to all people in all places, both in word and in deed. That Jesus' great purpose was to take the good news of God that anyone and everyone could be a part of God's family, a part of his kingdom, if they would lay down control of their own lives and trust and follow Jesus. That's good news that Jesus is saying. And he wants to go to all people in all places and tell them and show them this life that can be found in God. And so that's the the great purpose that Jesus has. But how far does the reach of Jesus go? Like how, what length will the love of Jesus actually travel to? How how far does his love ever stretch out to? And what what is someone's role in receiving that love? What do they have to do? Are there conditions that have to be met? Do they have to clean themselves up first? Have to make themselves presentable to Jesus before they can receive that love? I think in the Bible and then today in April of 2021, we're asking the same question. All right, God, how far does your love actually reach? Is it a good, you know, idea? Is it something that fits well on a nice little, uh, you know, cross-stitched, Frame, what are those things called? Cross, uh, cross stitch? 
What do people sew things like verses? Does that sound good? Needlepoint, a needlepoint thing? I can't think of the word. Oh, man. Sometimes you, you, you're like, this is going to go well. And then you get there and you're like, nope, back up. Throw this in reverse. How do we get out of here? It happens. What do you do? Sometimes I think we read the Bible and we're like, man, this looks great, you know, on my grandma's wall with a cross-stitched verse. Or put it on a coffee mug so that when I sit down in the morning, I've got the peace of Jesus with me on my coffee mug. Right? And we, we think that it's a good idea, but how, like, literally, really, though, how far does the love of God reach into our lives today? Like, does it go with us into our jobs? Does the love of Jesus really get down into the nitty-gritty mess of our lives? Like that stuff that, gosh, we really hope we don't ever have to talk about again. Does the love of Jesus really stretch into that and do something there? I think people have been asking that question for, for years, and I think that we ask that question today. And the encounter that we see here in Mark chapter 1 gives us a clear and loud proclamation that the love of Jesus reaches to all people in all places, no matter their background or circumstance or brokenness or whatever it is that they bring to the table, it cannot stop the love of Jesus from moving near to them. The love of Jesus truly does stretch out to you and to me. Let's read Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, if you will do this, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent, away, sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this up front. I'm, I'm currently writing just a, a small mm, article. I don't want to say paper. Paper sounds like too intense. Just kind of answering the question of like, why does Jesus tell people to be quiet? We've seen this multiple times just in Mark chapter 1. And we see it throughout Mark where Jesus commands a, a demon or a healed person, hey, hey, don't go tell people what I just did. And we're like, wait, what? That doesn't seem right. Like, aren't we supposed to go tell people about Jesus? Um, and so why does, he, why does he do that? And so I'm, I'm putting together a short um, article that would just give answers to that. Long story short, no one fully has the, no one's like, this is exactly why it is. We see a reason is that because people would go and ultimately prohibit Jesus from having the freedom to move to all people in all places. So the more they talked about him, his fame as some superstar miracle worker would grow and it would prohibit him from actually going to share the message of God. So that's a reason that Jesus was like, he, he knew, hey man, this is going to get out of control and people are going to come to me because they want a handout, not because they want me. So that's one of the big reasons that we see, but I'll, I'll give more explanation. I just didn't have time to get to it all today. And so um, look for that either on the web or in the email. It'll be pushed out via the app. Um, you, can, you can find that and read more about that.
But I wanted to look at the interaction between Jesus and this leper, this man. It says that, that a leper comes to Jesus, approaches Jesus, imploring him, begging him, bowing at his feet, and says, if you will, you can make me clean. This is an incredibly scandalous and outrageous interaction between Jesus and this man. But it is filled with hope and life, not just for this leper, but honestly for you and for me today. Leprosy um, was a horrific and brutal skin disease. No one really knew how it spread. No one really knew the, the magnitude that it would go to. But leprosy would ultimately eat away at a person's flesh, numbing their body so that they could no longer even feel the pain to the point where their body would literally just start to fall off. Fingers would fall off. And then, then an arm, like, and it would eat away at their body until they died. It was, it was a terrible and horrific disease. And there was incredible fear around it because no one knew what to do with it. There was no cure. No one knew how it spread. And so if someone was a leper and contracted that disease, they were literally isolated to a community, a leper community outside of the town and away from everyone else. Listen to Leviticus 13. This is from the Bible on laws regarding leprosy. It says, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So for someone who finds themselves with this disease of leprosy, not only do they have the fear, the humiliation, the, the shame of, of this disease, this skin disease, they had the social and relational isolation and separation from all others. They were literally condemned as unclean and told to go live somewhere else until they got clean again, if they got clean again. Complete isolation from normal life. And if they were to approach people, they obviously are supposed to look different and act different and yell and make sure that everyone knows an unclean person is coming around them so that if someone is unclean and they're coming near me, I have a chance to, to get away and back away from this person. On top of all of that, it was believed that if someone had leprosy, it's because they were sinful and God was cursing them and punishing them. And so for the leprous person, they were considered by others and believed within themselves that they were lesser individuals, unclean, and had no rightful place among normal civilization. It, it, was, a, it was a death sentence. Legally, by law, they could not approach people. They could not come near to people. They had to identify in some way as being sick and stay away. In the TV show, The Chosen, I don't know if anybody's watched that or not, um, Stephanie and I just watched the episode of this. And, and this man is approaching Jesus and one of the disciples literally pulls a weapon out to keep this man away from Jesus. There was such hostility and hatred and and disdain for these type of people. 
So for this man to approach Jesus was incredibly scandalous, incredibly unthoughtful. It was literally breaking the law. And yet he had hit the end of himself. His only thought, his only hope, his only chance was was that maybe perhaps Jesus would do something. Broken, defeated, completely out of his own strength. He comes begging and imploring Jesus. Sometimes, I don't know about you, I wonder how I would respond. Would I be like most people? Are, are, there, are there people in our society today that if they walked in here, we would kind of go, what are they, why is he here? That, that if they sat down next to us, we would maybe think, okay, I can act like I'm going to the bathroom and then just not make my way back to this seat. Are there people that, that we look at as lesser human beings? We would never say that, of course, but, but then in our hearts we look at as lesser and that we would treat as people would treat this leper. You, you belong out there. You belong over there. You're not clean like us. You don't look like us. You don't smell like us. You don't sound like us. I, I mean, I read this and I'm like, gosh, these jerks. And then if I'm honest, I think there's probably some people that I would act similarly towards. This man is broken and he comes to Jesus and he says, if you will, if you desire to, if you want to, you can make me clean. I, I find it interesting that the leper doesn't question Jesus' ability. His doubt is not, man, can Jesus do this? Jesus' fame was already spreading. People knew and believed that Jesus could perform miracles. And so this leper doesn't come to Jesus and be like, man, I don't know if Jesus is able to. The question for the leper is, I don't know if Jesus will want to. I don't know if Jesus will actually reach into my life and touch me. I fully believe he can. I just don't know that I believe he will. I just don't know that I believe he actually will do something. You ever had thoughts like that? If I believe this, then I have to believe that God can. I mean, he created the universe with a word. He spoke it into existence. I mean, science has baffled our minds when we just look at space and light years and whatever that number actually is and how fast we'd have to travel to get, you know, like, I I can't, it just blows our mind. And it's like, okay, God holds the universe, the galaxies in, in, in the span of his hands. He measures out the galaxy from fingertip to fingertip. You know, he just casually drops it out there. So it's not so much a question, honestly, of, okay, can God do this? Is he able to heal? Is he able to transform our lives? I think the question for us is we doubt. 
that the God of Mark chapter 1 is still the God of 2021. That he's still moving and acting in our lives like he did here in Mark chapter 1. I'll be real honest, and I feel really weird as the pastor saying that. This is my doubt. This is my struggle right now. I don't question God's ability. I've just lived in a world of self-sufficiency where if I need to do something, I can get it done, or I can look it up on the internet, or someone else can help me. I've never really lived in the world where if God does not do this, it's not happening. I think most often I hit some big obstacle. I'm like, we need to buy a house in Austin. I don't know if y'all know about the real estate market here, but it is stupid. Like straight up dumb. I I feel like I I should talk another 10 minutes about that. It is so crazy. It is literally impossible for us and our family of six, seven. Do we count the dog and cat as a one? They feel like it. It's a lot of work. We literally need a million dollars. Anybody got a million cash on them? In cash, that would be preferable because someone else is going to come in with a million one in unmarked bills. Like it is just beyond our ability. And so I pray and I ask, but then I'll be honest, this is what I do. I start strategizing. Okay, if we do this, if we sell this kid, if we, you know, like I'm, I literally start thinking through God. We need a house and we can't do it. Amen. All right, babe. So if we get four more jobs, if you work every other night and then I'll work the other nights, like, I, and I, I'm okay, so we don't talk like that, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Because in my soul, I genuinely question whether God could give us a house. Because does God really do that in Austin, Texas in 2021? You know, there's someone who's sick, and I'll be like, man, I see, I see Jesus healing the sick all the time. I'm going to come pray for them. But then I, God, I pray for their healing, if it's your will, of course. And it's not really me, like, praying for his will. It's me giving God an out so that if it doesn't happen, I'd be like, it wasn't God's will. I don't have to have, I don't have, to have real faith here. I give God an out. Anybody else with me? Am I the only one lacking in faith? Can I get a little, oh, come on, I need something here. I'm feeling real, all right. These masks are brutal. There we go, thank you for a little like, hey, I'm with you. I, I resonate so much with this leper. God, I know you can. I don't know that you will. I know that you can save this person. I just really don't think it's gonna happen. That, that's hard for me. It's hard for me. I I lack the faith. Maybe you do too. Maybe the downside of being born in this country is that we really have almost everything we need. We've really not had to depend on God very much. We haven't had to walk by faith. And so faith is hard for us. Maybe, maybe you've been told or started to believe a lot like this leper believed. I don't deserve to be here. I'm unclean. I'm unworthy. I'm broken. 
I'm messy. You reach out and touch me, you're, you're getting a mess. Maybe that's what's buried deep inside of you. God, I believe you can, but I have screwed up one too many times. I believe you could, but surely there's a breaking point and I'm past it. Maybe you've been told from the time you were two, three, or four, you don't measure up. Do more. Be better. And it's just started to bury deep inside of you. Maybe you've got some wounds, some dark past that haunt you. And you just can't imagine that there can truly be light and freedom. I think a lot of us are like this leper many times. I really do. Look what Jesus does with him. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. Moved with pity. It's an unfortunate translation because really there's a lot of anger in this Greek word. It would best be translated, moved with an angry compassion. He reached out his hand. Jesus was angry. He was angry, not at this man's doubts. He doesn't recoil from his doubts. He's like, oh, no, you, you have questions. Like, what am I going to do with you? God doesn't recoil from our doubts. He already knows them. He's angry at the brokenness that has come into this man's life because of sin. The devil wants us focused on the wrong things. He wants us angry at each other, angry at other things, when really he's the root issue. Sin and the work of the devil is the root issue. Galatians 6 says we don't battle with flesh and blood. Quit getting mad at one another. We battle with spiritual forces of darkness that corrupt one another. Let's get mad at the source and let's fight back against the source, not against one another. He's angry at the brokenness and he's a compassion because this man is, is tormented and he's isolated and he's broken and he's alone because of this sin and this brokenness and Jesus' heart is moved towards him. We need to know today that Jesus is not okay with the brokenness in our lives. He's not okay with settling there and his heart is moved in compassion towards us. He sees the hurt. He knows the hurt and he's moved in compassion and he's angry that we're stuck there and that we're settling there and he's inviting us to more. And so with pity, he moves forward and touches this man. He tangibly and physically touches the untouchable. Like, do We read the Bible, or maybe you've heard this so many times, like, of course he touches the leper. That's what Jesus does. But no, this is not what people did. For hundreds and hundreds of years, when people saw a leper, they sent them away. They backed off. They did not move near. They did not put their hands into the mess of their lives. That's not how things worked. But Jesus is different, and he's greater than the mess of our lives. Somebody needs to hear that today, that the mess you're experiencing, Jesus is greater. He is greater, and he's not moving away from you. He's moving near to you. 
He's not ashamed of you. He's not recoiling from your doubts. He's got compassion for you, and he's moving towards you to heal and to clean and to deliver. Sometimes we, we feel this way, and we just think, I'm, I'm out. And Jesus shows us differently. There's no reason that Jesus should move near to this man, and yet he does. The law says to back away, but Jesus in grace is greater, and he moves near. What should statement are you believing today? That God shouldn't love you? That you should just pack it up? That you should just quit trying? What, what should statement that you should be better? that you should be more holy, that you should be someone you're not, that you should be somewhere you're not? What should statement are you believing that right now God wants you to let go of because he wants to meet you exactly where you are? No further forward, no further back, right where you are is where he wants to meet you. A should statement is a lie of the devil. Condemn it. Don't believe it. You are exactly where God wants you to be in this moment, but he doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to move forward with him. Jesus reaches out and touches him, and immediately he's cleaned. This is a great story in Mark 1, but can it still be our story today? Can, can Jesus, does Jesus still heal us today? Does he still care about us today? Is this just a good idea that helps us love Jesus, but it's, it's only for there and then when we get to heaven? Or is he actually going to do something today in our lives? Jesus will and wants to touch and change our lives. We know that because spiritually he has already done everything needed to make us clean. God wants us to not just see a physical disease of leprosy. God wants us to see our spiritual disease of sin. God wants us to see that, that as sinners, we are like this leper. This leper, he, he contracted the disease and was removed from his home. When we brought sin into our lives, we are removed from our home, the presence of God. We are on the outside. We deserve to be on the outside. We are unclean. But Jesus has come and done everything needed to make us clean again. We have this filth of sin, and Jesus has come and bowed low to wash the dirt of our sin off of our feet and off of our lives. So that while our sins are like, like scarlet stain, by the blood of Jesus, by the death of Jesus, he will wash those sins away so that we'll be made white as snow. Jesus has already done this. This is a historical, factual event that on the cross, Jesus died. And the Bible tells us he died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. Our sin of, of leprosy, spiritual leprosy, could be washed away and made clean. 
And then in his resurrection, Jesus offers us a new life. This man, this leper, his life changed. He, was, he had a death sentence, and in this encounter, he was made alive. And that's what Jesus does for us spiritually. Because Jesus is alive, he can make us alive. So yes, Jesus still heals today. His love is still for us today. His stretch is still for us today, here and now. If Jesus was dead, it doesn't matter, but he's alive, and so he's still doing this today. He is reaching for you and I today. What about tangible? Will G, does he heal tangibly? Does he tangibly reach into our lives and change our circumstances? Does he see our brokenness and our hurts, our, our, our dysfunction, and does Jesus still today restore and heal and put back together? Yes. Sometimes. Not always. Yes, Jesus can, and yes, he desires to do what is best for God's glory and for you. Always. He will always do what is best to expand God's kingdom and to grow our love for him. And so sometimes that is healing and that is performing the miracle and sometimes it's not. Sometimes suffering is a greater picture of God's kingdom and sometimes suffering is what produces a greater love in us than the healing. Jesus prayed a prayer very similar to the leper. Jesus himself had a very similar prayer. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Sounds very similar to the leper, right? Father, I know you can. If you are willing, don't make me go to the cross. That is Jesus' prayer. The prayer of the leper is the prayer of Jesus. I know you're able if you're willing. And the father was not willing to deliver Jesus from the cross. Not because he couldn't, but because it was on the cross that the greatest glory for God and for us was accomplished. It was through suffering, through death, that life came. And so, yes, he's able but he doesn't always do it if it does not lead to his greatest glory and to our greatest good. And sometimes the path of suffering and death is that way. But his way is always good. Always good. So what's our part? This is how we end. Do you have to clean yourself up first? Are there conditions that Jesus expects you to meet first in order to receive his life, to receive his touch? What, what do you and I have to do? Well, what did the leper do? He wasn't clean. He didn't make himself presentable. He simply came and asked. He, he reached the end of himself and he humbled himself at the feet of Jesus and asked. He couldn't control the outcome. All he could do was ask. He, he set the sails. Anybody ever been sailing? Anybody? 
I'm, I want somebody to take me. All right, Daniel, we'll go sometime. You're, you're, my, you're my captain. There's a few requirements with sailing, I think. That's at least what I see on TV, I assume. You need sails and you need wind. I'm assuming the boat's already there. We're talking nautical here, so a boat exists. <laughs> you need sails and you need wind. Here's the deal. Daniel, when we go sailing, we can't make the wind blow. But we sure as heck can set the sails. We get out there and the wind's blowing and there's no sails. I mean, we may putter along a little bit, but we're not sailing. We're floating. We can get out there and set the sails, but we still can't control the wind, right? See, there's a part that we do, and that part is just setting the sails. We're just humbly coming to Jesus and asking. He's in charge of the wind. He's in charge of the response. He's in charge of what happens from there, but he invites us to humble ourselves and to come and to ask and to trust that whatever he does is good. He invites us to humble ourselves and come and ask and trust that whatever he does is good. You can't make the wind blow but you can set the sails. So where are you in this story? What lies are you believing about yourself, about others, about God? Are you humbling yourself, emptying yourself, posturing yourself at the feet of Jesus alone and asking him? Or are you asking with one hand and trying to work on your own with the other. He, he calls us to humble ourselves. All right, I got nothing. I believe you can. I believe you will. And if you don't, then it must be better. That's the invitation we get today. Not just for Mark 1, but today. Let's pray for a bit. Prayer may be new to you, may not be something you've done a lot of. Um, prayer is a, a conversation with God. In the same way that we can talk to a friend or to a teacher or to a spouse, we, we can talk with God. The Bible tells us that because Jesus is alive, that, that God is alive, that he hears us and communes with us. And so prayers, it's just a conversation as best as we know how with God. What would you want to say to God right now? When you think about this story of the unclean person, the person that had no business being around Jesus, but yet Jesus moves near and touches him, what does that 
What does that make you think or want to say to God? What does it make you want to ask him? Is there something in your life that is broken, that is dark, that is unclean, that you want to ask him for healing, for help? There's a prayer by a father in the New Testament. His prayer is this. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. There's a part of him that believed and there's a large part of him that didn't. It's a beautiful, honest prayer. Maybe that's your prayer today. Maybe your prayer is God. I don't know if you're there. But here I am in this chair and I'd love for you to show me if you are. I think the only way we can go wrong is if we're dishonest. So whatever an honest prayer would be, that's the prayer that God wants. And then listen. What's he saying to you? some of you, God is telling you right now, I see you. You don't think that I do. You don't feel like I do, but I see you. I think for some, he's saying, your mess doesn't scare me. Your doubts don't scare me. I'm not going to back away. He's saying, I, I will be clean. Receive his touch to make you clean. Father, we don't want to just sing songs but our hearts be far from you. We don't want to just show up and do religion and it just be a religious practice. We want to engage with you. If you're there, God, we want to hear you and know you. We want to taste and see how good you are, like David said. We want to find refreshment and healing like Peter said in Acts 3, we want to walk in the abundant life that Jesus said he came to bring us. God, we're holding on to your words. Those are things we cannot do on our own. We humbly admit that. 
and we humble ourselves and we ask you to do what only you can do to change our hearts and our lives to heal us and to set us free unblind our eyes from seeing you so that we can truly see you our spiritual being who is alive and loves us Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.